The Daily 202's Big Idea is supported by Battelle. For 90 years, the employees of Battelle have solved the world's most challenging problems, finding solutions and really big ideas. At Battelle, it can be done. Learn more at battelle.org 90. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 10th. In today's news, hurricane survivors in the Bahamas are kicked off a ferry because they lack U.S. visas. The White House considers a controversial proposal to study whether mass shootings could be prevented by constantly monitoring mentally ill people. And Boris Johnson's options narrow after a fifth failure in Parliament. But first, the big idea. Two years ago, the United States extracted from Russia an important CIA source who had provided information about the Kremlin's interference in the 2016 presidential election. The exfiltration followed mounting concerns among U.S. officials that the individual could be discovered by the Russian government. This operation took place sometime after an Oval Office meeting in May 2017, when President Trump revealed highly classified counterterrorism information to the Russian foreign minister and ambassador. But current and former officials tell my colleagues Shane Harris and Ellen Nakashima that while that disclosure alarmed U.S. national security officials, it was not the reason for the decision to remove the CIA asset, who had provided information to the United States for more than a decade. U.S. officials had been concerned that Russian sources could be at risk of exposure as early as the fall of 2016. That's when the Obama administration first confirmed that Russia had stolen and publicly disclosed the emails from the Democratic National Committee and the account of Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta. In October 2016, the Department of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence said in a joint statement that intelligence agencies were confident that the Russian government directed the hacking campaign. Earlier drafts of the statement had accused Vladimir Putin himself by name, but that reference was removed out of concern it could endanger sources and methods. In January 2017, the Obama administration published a more detailed assessment that unambiguously laid the blame on Putin and the Kremlin, saying that Putin had personally ordered the influence operation and that Russia's goal was to undermine faith in the U.S. democratic process and harm Hillary Clinton's chances of winning. This exfiltration was first reported by CNN, According to their sources, this spy had access to Putin and could even provide images of documents that were sitting on the Russian leader's desk. The New York Times also confirmed this and reported additional details, including that the CIA decided it made sense to exfiltrate the asset at the end of 2016, but that this person denied the first entreaty and agreed to the second one. Russian intelligence officials who have crossed Putin, a former KGB officer himself, have been targeted in the past. Last year, of course, Russian operatives traveled to England and used a nerve agent to try to kill a former Russian military intelligence officer, Sergei Skripal, who had become a British spy. In 2006, Russian operatives in London killed former intelligence officer Alexander Litvinenko by placing radioactive material in his tea. The Kommersant newspaper in Moscow today names who the Russians apparently suspect of being the CIA asset. Their story says that this man disappeared in 2017 during a family vacation to Montenegro with his wife and three kids. The small country on the Adriatic has become a very popular destination for Russian vacationers. The Kremlin-funded outlet RT, meanwhile, reports this morning that before 2010, the suspected asset worked at the Russian embassy in Washington. 
U.S. officials say they're going to elaborate lengths to keep these folks safe. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, hundreds of Hurricane Dorian survivors crowded into a ferry anchored in Freeport in the Bahamas on Sunday evening after days on the sweltering islands with limited food, water, and power. Just two and a half hours across the ocean, safety and relief waited in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Then an announcement blared from the boat's intercom. A crew member ordered all passengers without a U.S. visa to disembark immediately, according to a video. Since Dorian, hundreds of refugees have bypassed the visa process to come to U.S. soil. The more than 100 refugees forced to disembark Sunday night and stay on the disaster-ravaged island were baffled about why they were turned away. U.S. Customs and Border Protection blames the incident on the ferry operator. At a news conference Monday afternoon, Acting Commissioner Mark Morgan said that there was confusion around the issue, but that the agency's policy hasn't changed and that people in need are being accepted. But then, just hours later, Trump went out on the White House lawn and contradicted Morgan. He said that the groups of refugees from the Bahamas might have been infiltrated by what he called, quote, very bad people. And he suggested that it was a conscious U.S. effort to keep them out. Trump told reporters that we have to be very careful when letting people from the Bahamas into the U.S., saying that everybody needs totally proper documentation. Under existing U.S. policy, Bahamanians can enter the United States without a visa by providing a passport and proof that they have no criminal record and going through pre-screening that's conducted by customs. Meanwhile, on the ground, crews in the Bahamas continue finding bodies as the official Dorian death toll slowly rises. The body of one man was found clutching his son. Another was entangled on a fence. Another was halfway through a door, frozen in a futile attempt at escaping the most powerful storm ever to assault the island. The local government has been slow to raise the official death toll, which stood Monday evening at 50. But The Punch, a Nassau tabloid, ran a front-page headline on Monday suggesting that the final count will be in the thousands. Other local media have run similar stories. Number two, the White House is considering a controversial proposal to study whether mass shootings could be prevented by closely keeping tabs on mentally ill people. Former NBC chairman Bob Wright, a longtime friend and associate of Trump's, has briefed top officials, including the president, the vice president, and Ivanka Trump, on a proposal to create a new research arm called the Health Advanced Research Projects Agency, HARPA, to come up with out-of-the-box ways to tackle health problems, much like DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, does for the military. Advisors to Wright put together a three-page proposal which calls for exploring whether technology, including phones and smartwatches, could be used to detect when mentally ill people are about to turn violent. This violence detection plan has alarmed experts who study violence prevention, technology, psychology, and mental health. Number three, the UK Parliament once again has rejected Prime Minister Boris Johnson's call for an early election, leaving him with no obvious means of making good on his vow of a do-or-die Brexit. Tuesday was the second time in as many weeks that Johnson asked the parliament to allow for a fresh election, only to be rebuffed by a unified opposition. With parliament suspended for the next five weeks because of Johnson, Tuesday's defeat leaves the prime minister with virtually no chance of getting a fresh vote before October 31st, the Halloween deadline by which Britain is due to leave the EU. Johnson's in a bind. He's insisted he will not ask the EU for an extension, 
He said last week that he would, quote, rather be dead in a ditch than do so. But a law that was passed by rebel lawmakers in his own party requires him to seek one if there's no deal by October 19th. One option for Johnson, if he doesn't want to do that, is that he could go to jail. That probably won't happen either. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 10th. Thanks for listening. Sorry about the technological problems from yesterday that caused some of you to not receive the full audio briefing. It's obviously frustrating, and we'll try to make sure it never happens again. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.